The Founding Fathers, American Revolution, Our Constitution, Our History, America. Thanks so much for tuning in as we discuss the people, places, events, and battles that turned 13 separate colonies into the greatest nation on earth, the United States. Welcome back, fellow patriots. If you listened to my last show, you do know the situation in Boston is getting very dicey. And the colonists have pretty much had their fill of being bullied, taxed, and controlled. That situation, the occupation of Boston, and then of course the well-known Boston Massacre, will be the topic of our next show. Today, however, you are in for something quite special in this bonus episode. Just a reminder for my fellow listeners that these bonus episodes are something a little extra or between the main episodes, and it oftentimes will revolve around a person, event, battle, or something that falls completely outside of the, quote, chronological timeline of the American Revolution. Uh, my bonus episodes could fall before, during, or after the main timeline. So it's just little nuggets that I think are important or very, very interesting, and I wanted to share those. So that's the purpose of the bonus episodes. Okay, now this bonus episode is pretty cool. It shouldn't surprise me by now, uh, but each time I think uh, I know a lot or quite a bit about something or someone, I'm quickly reminded of how little I actually know. And today is no exception. I'm going to talk about a man that had tremendous impact and involvement with the founding of our country. And until reading his personal papers and conducting further research, uh, did I realize how little I, I knew. I think one of the most crazy things that stands out is I'm, I'm amazed that for such a patriot, I mean, a man who helped pen so many important documents and had his hands in the serious type stuff, and he not only did that, but he picked up a musket and fought in the war, he refused to sign the Declaration of Independence. If you know who John Dickinson is, our topic is going to be pretty familiar. However, I'm hoping to provide you with some new insight and information that you might not have heard before. If you have never heard of John Dickinson, I suppose now would be a good time for a little background uh, on him, and that's, that's where we're going to start. So he wrote 12 essays, and they were widely read in all the colonial newspapers, and they were so popular that they were then printed as a pamphlet. And what John Dickinson did is he urged a stronger American resistance to Britain's increased restrictions. He also covered and spoke about the discontent and complacency exhibited by Americans after the repeal of the Stamp Act in 1766. Now, we covered the Stamp Act in great detail in Episode 7, so should you want to learn more or get a refresher, just listen to Episode 7 after this. But even after the repeal of the Stamp Act, Parliament had passed new laws and began to enforce existing laws that would bring even more anger than the Stamp Act did. The Declaratory Act of 1766 said, quote, 
bind the colonies and people of America in all cases whatsoever. That passage from the act alone was pretty clear of who the boss was, or who wanted to be boss, and we covered the declaratory act and other acts in great detail in episode 8, so you have some reference to go back and listen to it, if you haven't listened to it already. So then, with the Townshend Acts of 1767, which was the focus of our last show, that placed direct taxes on specific British goods that were imported, and that was the very first time in the relationship between Britain and the colonies. Finally, when the New York Assembly failed to fully comply with the Quartering Act of 1765, and that required colonial authorities to house British troops in unoccupied buildings and provide them with food and supplies and do their laundry and a myriad of other things, when New York did not adhere to the Quartering Act, Parliament just suspended the entire power of the Assembly until it complied in full. And the Townshend Act was heavily discussed in Episode 10. So you can go uh, back and listen to those three uh, episodes if you haven't yet, and uh, it will explain a little more in detail. But let's get back to John Dickinson. John Dickinson was the son of a prominent Quaker family who was born in 1732 and died in 1808 at the age of 75. Now remember, Quakers, who resided predominantly in the state of Pennsylvania, believed in no violence, and when it came to politics, uh, they really wanted to be neutral and could really be classified as pacifists. This is very interesting to me, because as his beliefs as an adult definitely were opposite of what he grew up seeing. Uh, Upon his death, President Thomas Jefferson at the time recognized him as being among the first of advocates for the rights of his country when assailed by Great Britain, whose name will be consecrated in history as one of the great worthies of the revolution. He's also commonly known as the penman of the revolution, because his writings and editing were so instrumental in a lot of a, a lot of very important documents. He was born on his family's tobacco plantation in Maryland, and after he became a lawyer and then a colonial legislator, he served in the First and Second Continental Congress, but he refused to sign the Declaration of Independence, as I mentioned before. The reason that he refused to sign was due to his belief that the colonies were just not ready to separate themselves from Great Britain, at least separate successfully. That's what he thought. And knowing what not signing the declaration meant for himself and his future, he said, quote, My conduct this day I expect will give the finishing blow to my once too great and my integrity considered now too diminished popularity. Now, the other reason uh, that he may not have signed it is basically you were giving your name to the king and risking everything that you had. And most definitely, your life would end if caught. Interestingly, there were only two people who were members of the First Continental Congress that fought against British, and he was one of them. He reached the rank of Brigadier General and led 10,000 soldiers to protect Staten Island, and those soldiers came out of the Uh, state of Pennsylvania, which intrigued me, although I don't have any concrete evidence. Uh, My fifth great-grandfather, Peter Kern, could have been one of those soldiers 
since Peter and his two brothers fought out of the state of Pennsylvania. Not really sure uh, if he was there or not. I'm still delving into his uh, trackings and his movements throughout the war. Pretty hard to do if you weren't famous and weren't known, but hey, it gives me something to do. I'm going to find something on him. But anyway, you can read more about Peter Kern and see photos uh, that I took at his graveside and, and all of that on our website, patriotpowerpodcast.com, if interested. Shortly before his death, Dickinson freed all of his slaves, as did countless other founding fathers, and he was one of the wealthiest people in all the colonies, which couldn't have been done without slaves, but he, and for that matter, nobody else could figure out how to end slavery within their lifetime, that's what he did, is, is he freed them upon his death. And as history will tell us, it would take a hundred plus years to pass before that issue was resolved. All right, so now that you have a little context about the person, I want to shift gears a little bit and focus on the 12 letters or essays that he wrote and published, which is the topic we're going to focus on. Now, these essays were published in 1767 and 1768. First, he wrote them as if they were written by a farmer. Now, John Dickinson had very little experience as a farmer, and I believe he chose the profession uh, as a farmer to be the, quote, author, as I think it would be very relatable to the many people who were farmers, and that was a vast majority of people. So he's trying to reach the masses. And he wanted to make sure that this farmer was smart, but not like Harvard and King's College smart. And he wanted to make sure he was modest. Uh, secondly, uh, Dickinson was very well connected with people in high places, especially printers and the Sons of Liberty. So getting his letters published in all the, mag uh, all the magazines, in all the newspapers at the time, it really wasn't too difficult for him. And the other last, the other tidbit of information is these essays or letters brought Dickinson a tremendous amount of fame. And the letters went pretty much unmatched as far as effectiveness and motivation until Thomas Paine came out and published Common Sense. So these uh, essays or letters were, were a big deal. Since I'm not going to read all 12 letters word for word, you can purchase a book that contains all of that. Or you can look at my show notes and I provide a link where you can read all of them in their entirety online and for free. So instead, my goal is to summarize a few of the letters and then handpick hand some key nuggets from others, which will hopefully provide an overall arch of what was said and why they were so powerful and far-reaching. Reading through all of them is something I do recommend, and I did, um, because it's a really important part of the revolution and the movement that I don't think gets enough discussion and for somebody being involved in so many important documents in the founding I'm guessing a lot of people have never even heard of John Dickinson hence the bonus episode now I went a little deep on this um, but I still think it's pretty interesting um, like how did the Library of Congress come into possession of the actual handwritten essays penned by him well it starts with a French-born man living in New York, and his name was Hector St. John Crevacor. And Crevacor wrote about his own life living in the colonies, uh, but as things were heating up, he started to feel the pressure, 
and uh, he he said, you know what, I'm going to get out of town. So he had to leave his small farm, or he chose to leave his small farm that was in New York, and he was heading back to France. Uh, on his way back, he was stopped by British soldiers, and those soldiers opened up his trunk and found not only the writings of Crevacor, which were substantial, but they found the actual writings of Dickinson. The soldiers described them more like a journal of what it was like living in the colonies. Um, so they really weren't even sure how important they were. But Crevacor was able to keep them, and he kept the originals within his family, and his descendants kept them until about 1974. Uh, the family then sold them, and the Library of Congress attempted to buy them, but they were too expensive. The asking price was too high. So instead, they went to a rare book collector who lived in France. In 1986, this book collector decided to sell them, and this time, the Library of Congress was able to purchase all of the originals with the help from a foundation. Now, I did spend a little time looking to see what the total cost was. Um, I couldn't find that, uh, but I'm going to take a wild stab at it that it was not inexpensive. Um, if they couldn't afford it the first time and they needed a foundation help the second. Um, uh, but if you know, if you guys know or can find out how much uh, was spent on those letters, let me know. I'd love, to, uh, I'd love to know that dollar amount. All right, on to the letters. He starts the first letter with, My dear countrymen, I am a farmer, settled, after a variety of fortunes near the banks of the River Delaware in the province of Pennsylvania. I received a liberal education and have been engaged in the busy scenes of life, but now convinced that a man may be as happy without bustle as with it. My farm is small, my servants are few and good, and I have a little money at interest and wish for no more. Employment in my own affairs is easy and with a contented, grateful mind, I am completing the number of days allotted to me by divine goodness. What an opening. Uh, he continues to talk about how he, this farmer, spends a good deal of time in the library and how from infancy he was taught to love humanity and liberty. He goes on with several more paragraphs, but then kind of comes out and hits hard with, with a great deal of surprise, I have observed that little notice has been taken of an act of Parliament as injurious in its principles to the liberties of these colonies as the Stamp Act was. I mean the act for suspending the legislation of New York. He then says how that was not constitutional and that there was a far better way to approach it. The last paragraph of letter one reads, Thus, we should have borne our testimony against it and might therefore reasonably expect that, on a like occasion, we might receive the same assistance from the other colonies. So the summary of letter one, he lines out who he, the farmer, is, and he quickly relates to a wide range of people. And then without advocating violence or anything, he explains how the acts of Britain are not legal, and instead of people accepting them and not taking notice of them, that they should be. Can you think of anything going on in today's world, uh, in our country, that people aren't really paying attention and um, just letting things happen? There's a lot of parallels.
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Letter two starts out without the background and niceties. Quote, there is another late act of parliament which appears to be unconstitutional and as destructive to the liberty of these colonies as that mentioned in my last letter, that is the act for granting the duties on paper, glass, etc. He said that he scoured all legal documents and constitutions of the colonies when they were founded that shows all that the king and England were imposing was wrong, illegal, and unconstitutional. Wrong, illegal, and unconstitutional. So he's pointing out to everybody who should know this, who should be aware of this, that this is what's happening. The third letter starts, I rejoice to find that my two former letters to you have been generally received with so much favor by such of you, whose sentiments I have had an opportunity of knowing. Could you look into my heart, you would instantly perceive a zealous attachment to your interests and a lively resentment of every insult and injury offered to you to be the motives, motives that have engaged me to address you. He gets a little more direct later on with, quote, are these men ignorant? And speaking about Britain, he then talks about defending your liberties and rights and stop talking about it and do something. Man, I wish that these were published today as I think uh, it would do wonders for uh, this crazy mess of a country that we seem to be living in. He, uh, John Dickinson, or the farmer, he gets pretty serious, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he says, I will now tell you what the meaning of these letters are for. They are to convince people of all colonies that they are at this moment exposed to the most imminent dangers and to persuade them immediately vigorously and unanimously to exert themselves in the most firm but most peaceable manner for obtaining relief. Now I think overall this sums up why all of the letters and after reading all 12 they just it sums up the why uh, and they flow gently but yet very firm and to be honest it kind of got me riled up as if I was reading them during the time. Uh, it's clear why he was involved with so many important documents because he is very eloquent and has a way with words which is clearly obvious so i hope this gives you um, an overview of john dickinson and letters from a pennsylvania farmer and make sure you check out the show notes you can click on the link i provide and read all 12 it's pretty it's pretty amazing some of the time when you're reading through them you you might, like I did. I was like, wow, that, that could be written today. And then knowing the why uh, and how he was able to get so many people to become aware of what was happening. And see, back then, guess what? They didn't have the internet. They didn't have Twitter. They couldn't post on Facebook. They relied on newspapers. And even then, he was able to get people together to realize that what was being imposed on them was wrong and illegal, immoral, unconstitutional, and, and he spelled it out. 
He read all the state constitutions. He looked at everything from the inception of each colony and explained how and why this not only can't happen, um, but since it was happening, what you could do about it. And so I just thought um, this would be a good topic to cover. So hopefully you liked it. Uh, we will be having our next regular uh, podcast coming out soon. Check out our previous podcast if you haven't already. And uh, if you have a question or a comment or want to share something, a link will be in the show notes. Just click that and you'll be able to send me a message. Thanks for listening and hope that you tune in next time with us here at the Patriot Power Podcast. Make sure that you hit subscribe so you'll get notified when our new episodes are available for you. And we hope that you check out our websites, which include our show notes, links, documents, and more at PatriotPowerPodcast.com or ILoveGeorgeWashington.com. Until next time, hope that you and your family have a blessed week. And remember, be safe and tell a veteran thanks for their service.